We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This is episode two two four of the pod, alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. Uh, take a chronological approach to things here when it comes to the Chicago Bears and their win on Sunday. We'll break down Justin Fields, his performance, and his home start. Uh, we'll also give you some locks. Matt Rooney is on an absolute heater. Don't stop now, boys. Uh, we're going to whip it around the NFL for a full week four wrap-up before we turn our attention to week five. We will offer up some locks, and we will talk playoff baseball. But first and foremost, Matt Rooney, how the hell are you? I'm, I'm doing well, Joe. Actually, I went to, went in on a, on a Moose and Runes parlay on, on okay. Sunday. I was, I was very— Apologies. That's it. You know what? It wasn't your fault. I, I bought it down to—you had him at six and a half. I bought it down to five. Nice. And— you know, if, if, if Antonio, <laughs> yeah, but if Antonio Brown just oh, man. makes, makes yeah. a catch on a go route when he's, when he's got a yard of separation, there's a whole different conversation. I mean, the, now, maybe the play they, before that too, he just didn't pick that yeah, ball up. Tom I mean, went right back to him. Yeah. Back, they literally, it was that play worked. We're doing yeah. it again. Go beat him. And it worked again. And again, Antonio Brown couldn't come up with it. Now you still would have needed a two point conversion, but at that point they probably do go for two because you want to go up seven there instead of six but that was a tough tough so, way to go down because i still think you're on the right side but even with how bad so that's played. a that's a that's a really novel idea there the whole idea of it worked let's go back to it now ah, do you think that oh i see what you're doing do you think here. that the chicago bears might need to take a take notes on no. it worked no. Maybe go back to it. No, why would you uh, do When that? I say we're going to approach things chronologically, I just want to throw out a little timeline here. Let's do it. Uh, Monday rolls around. Andy Dalton's still not healthy. We're not going to make a decision just yet. Uh, week progresses. We get to Thursday. Quarterback situation is going to be a game-time decision. Like, like this is a JV high school game. Yeah, no. Uh, the Chicago Bears quarterback position is going to be a game-time decision. Um Turns out that that game time decision turned into a Saturday decision or Andy Dalton's health just was not where they needed it to be. So uh, Justin Fields was the starter deemed on Saturday. Justin Fields comes out on Sunday and does things that in my lifetime, I've only seen from one quarterback and his name was Jay Cutler. And this looked a whole lot cleaner than what I remember Jay Cutler looking like too. Were there mistakes? Yes. Were there things to pick apart? Yes. But there were throws on Sunday by Justin Fields that I've not seen from a Chicago Bears quarterback in a very long time and I've only seen very few and far between. The short post up the middle to uh, Allen Robinson. The 30-yard timing route to the sideline to Mm -hmm. Allen Robinson. That was the the best throw I think. That was the best throw I've I've seen a Bears quarterback make, that corner route to Allen Robinson. The deep ball over the shoulder to Mooney in a spot where only he could catch it down around the goal line. The deep ball up the seam uh, to beat whatever that shell look cover three over the top was. I mean, you don't throw you don't throw seams, um, you know, with, with a high safety over the top. But but you know, Justin Fields has that ability to shoot it up the seam 
seam and, and bang one up the hash mark. We uh-huh. saw that ability to throw the ball on time 45 yards down the field. It was so um, refreshing to see him have time back there. It was refreshing and it was, you know, emboldening, emboldening to see him throw the ball with conviction and really stand behind those throws. There was no real second guessing. No. Um, even when, you know, even when things weren't great, I mean, he evades the rush with a spin move and then tries to throw Cole Komet open. There was so much on Sunday that made you feel good about Justin Fields and the Bears quarterback position. And then on Monday, Matt Nagy's dumbass comes to the podium and says, Andy's the one, Justin's the two, Nick's the three, Andy will play when he's healthy. Like, I I don't know if this is self-sabotage at at this point where, like, Matt Nagy has taken taken everything Chicago has thrown at him personally, and now he just wants to make the team lose and wants to send them in the worst possible direction because I don't know how it's possible as a head coach and a talent evaluator to see what Justin Fields did on Sunday and come to the podium and say what he said. Because there are throws that Justin Fields made on Sunday that Andy Dalton could not make in his prime. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand what's going on. It it doesn't. It just makes no sense. Uh, I, I I honestly wish I, I tweeted on Sunday afternoon during the game. I can't wait till they go back to Andy Dalton in two weeks when he's healthy. And little did I know that it was actually probably going to be one week. Um, I, I just I wish it wasn't that predictable. It just it it doesn't make any sense if you're if. If you're this Bears coaching staff, front office, whatever, and you saw what Justin Fields did on Sunday, does Andy Dalton give you a better chance to win maybe nine games or something this year and go nine and eight? No, 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 no. no, no. The answer to that is now no. We now now know that the answer to that question is no. That was a fair question at the beginning of the year when we don't know what Justin Fields is capable of. We still don't know what Justin Fields is capable of, but we know he is capable of of a much higher ceiling. We know he is capable of standing in the pocket, playing NFL football. We know he is not overwhelmed by the playbook. We know that Bill, when Bill Lazor is calling the plays, that he has the ability to stretch the ball downfield like is required in today's NFL. The answer to that question of can he or win is no, resoundingly. I totally agree with you. I'm just trying to go through the logic of what's going through their heads. And there is no. Argument. There, there is none. I, I, I totally agree with you. That's in my brain, that's what I think is going through theirs. But even in that, even in your wildest dreams, if you think Andy Dalton gives you a better chance to win two games, you know, two more games this season, what looks better in, uh, on your resume at the end of this season? Is it Andy Dalton got us to nine and eight, or is it Justin Fields eight and nine or seven and ten? But boy, did that guy show some flashes, and he we know he's the guy. I, I think showing your ability to develop a quarterback makes you look better than winning than you know than going nine and eight and maybe getting into the Nickelodeon game again if you're lucky like I, I, I just there's no logic at all behind this and then then you see uh, I don't know if you, I'm sure you heard the rest of the press conference on on Monday and some of it on uh, Sunday when you're at work but like they they were asking about the play calling and anybody that's watched multiple games over the last year and a half could tell that wasn't Matt Nagy calling the plays it was very obvious because the offense had some rhythm to it. It had some reason to the play calls, had some purpose behind it. Um, Matt Nagy then th- went on some odd rant for about five minutes about, yeah, well, he didn't really say he wasn't calling the plays, but he inferred that it was Bill Lazor, but then made sure to say everything still goes through me and I make all the important decisions. Like, what is wrong with this guy's ego? And that, like, the more he talks 
the more he says shit like that, I'm kind of starting to believe that this Andy Dalton thing is an ego thing. He wants to be right. He wants to be the guy that's right. And in yeah. his head, he said he's starting Andy Dalton until whatever the imaginary date that he set out at the beginning of the year, say he thought week he's seven was the magic. He is an idiot. He's, he's an, an idiot. idiot. And that's not just to like slander got, and lob no. insults, but he's a, he's a damn fool. He's he belongs, got, he's got he belongs coaching tight ends in the Mac. Know, so it's, he's going to, he's going to be coaching tight ends in the Mac, hopefully sooner rather than later, because I know it's recency bias, but the series of events from Sunday to Monday and that, that press conference is the, the most fireable offense. I think it's the most, I think, I think those are the most fireable offenses that he's committed thus far, like seeing the case study right in front of your face, seeing the example and not changing course, I think is the most fireable offense that we've seen Matt Nagy commit in his tenure as Bears head coach. And I know we're going to look for a, a reason to get this guy canned week in and week out, but he continues to give those reasons to us. Like you see what Justin Fields is capable of and, and not just what he's capable of, but that does what that does to everybody around him. I mean, he completely unlocks Darnell Mooney. Yeah. Darnell Mooney never had a, never had a hundred yard receiving game. He makes Darnell like, Mooney a threat. Five receptions, 125 yards. He puts Darnell Mooney immediately in that, Hollywood Brown, Henry Ruggs, undersized burner yeah. that you're going to have to extend your defense downfield for because if you don't, he will beat you. Like we have one of those guys now. Not only do we have one of those guys, we have someone who could deliver the freaking football to that guy because uh-huh. Andy Dalton can't. Andy Dalton can't do that. No knock on him. Like, like Andy, Andy Dalton, Dalton is, might is be the best backup quarterback in the NFL. He's a great guy to he have is, on your roster. He is what he is, but yeah. he is not. He is not the future of this team. You have the future of this team who has already showed the capability to not be overwhelmed by the moment. That, and that's really that's really when we're talking about like the decision to put these first year quarterbacks in the game. And, and I think there's there's a shifting philosophy on that as well. To oh, they need to watch it from the sideline. I I really don't know if that's the case anymore. Like if your guy can play at this level and not be overwhelmed by the moment, there is far more Uh value to making those mistakes on the field and seeing success on the field and letting those things, you know, sort of bear themselves out in real time rather than sitting, watching Andy Dalton play, keeping an earpiece in your ear to listen to Matt Nagy called dog shit plays and then come in a year later and have to learn on the fly once again in year two I think there's more value to having Justin Fields on the field but I I, I really don't even I, you can't even go about exploring the decision-making process of Matt Nagy because that decision-making process is so damn bankrupt and he does not belong the head coach of a football on my football team let alone a team that's been the laughing stock of many NFL circles over the last few years because of the quarterback position specifically. We can get out of that conversation. We can move forward. We can be a good football team. And Matt Nagy, I I go as far as to say that if he puts Justin Fields in for the rest of the season, Matt Nagy could save his job. And and I don't want, I don't want that, but, but looking at those making that decision and and the, and the, um, the less than stellar decision making by Ryan Pace and by Ted Phillips and by the old lady and by the son, Matt Nagy could save his job, and and, and that makes me sick to say. But I, I just don't like. It's like it's a very one plus one equals three situation right now. Nothing makes sense. No, and I, we saw this exact situation play out last year with the quarterback who is now considered in a an elite quarterback in 
MVP candidate with Justin Herbert. The Chargers were dead set on Terod Taylor being the guy for a few weeks and transitioning there. They had a wrench thrown into it. Terod Taylor had that really unfortunate collapsed lung situation, which was terrible. But Justin Herbert came out against Kansas City, played really well, gave him, didn't win the game, gave himself a chance to win. And then from there on out, it was like, uh, you know what? He's actually ready. He's the guy. That's what we just and saw. I, did, and did I'll, go one, feel, I'll go, go one further. Okay, go ahead. I'll go one further with that situation, Matt. Not to cut you off, but no, go for it. Justin Herbert was sat to prepare by the offensive guru, Anthony Lynn. Mm-hmm. Anthony Lynn's not the head coach anymore. And yeah. what I saw to Brandon Staley on Monday Night Football and what I saw from him in his postgame press conference, that's a guy who's going to be coaching in the NFL oh, yeah. for the next three decades. That is someone who the moment and the decisions are not too big for. And you know what he did? He came in not to say that there was any decision to make this year, but he gave his quarterback the keys to the car and he opened up that offense and said, you go listen to your offensive coaches. You will get me points. I'm going to go stop some fools because I'm a defensive-minded head coach. Now, we have an offensive-minded, quote-unquote, head coach right now who's too stubborn to see that, hey, maybe Anthony Lynn's fate is my fate regardless. Let me just put this kid in the game, you know? Yeah, this is it's, – it's just at this point being stubborn and, ha- and your ego is too large that you don't want to listen to anybody else. And it's ultimately what – Yeah, but like ego's built, out of, ego's built out of success. This is such a, it, this is such a hollow ego oh, it's, built not, out of – like I'm what, just because you're, the, you, you're the head coach of the Chicago Bears, you should think that you know something? How about take a look at some of the? How about take a look at some of the play calling charts? How about take a look at uh, at some of the offensive flow you've been unable to to uh, establish for the last five years? Maybe yeah. that's where where Over. your lack of ego, or your self, where where your self awareness should be born out of. Yeah. I, he's just I'm, he's he's I'm so he they could win they could win the next six games, and I'm gonna come out of it feeling like crap because I can't listen to this guy anymore. I mean, if I, I was listening to, I think it was Waddle and Sylvie yesterday, and they were talking about, uh, I think it was Sylvie brought up the points per game average over the last two seasons when Matt Nagy calls the plays and was when Bill 16, Lazor calls the I plays. Guess? Matt Nagy, you're right, you're close. Matt, Matt Nagy is averaging, Bears are averaging, I think, 18 points a game over the last two, the last season and this season when Nagy calls the, calls the plays. Bill Lazor, I believe, has a set, six, Seven game sample size. Now you want to guess what the point, the average points total is when he's calling calling place. Twenty six. Twenty seven. Yeah, they're averaging over a almost a touchdown in a field goal per game when Bill Lazor calls the plays. And I, I guarantee you, four or five weeks from now, Matt Nagy, when they they're going to lose to somebody who's at, they, they have a pretty brutal schedule coming up in the next few weeks. Yeah. They're going to have a rough offensive game. Justin Fields is going to, I'm sorry, probably wouldn't even be Justin Fields and probably still be Andy Dalton. He'll throw a couple picks and then I said, well, you know, I think we need to change things up. I'm going to go back to calling the plays and, and Bill, Bill's going to just be the, be the coordinator or whatever. And it's going to go back and the same vicious cycle. And then they're going to go into the tank and then he's going to give it back up again. Then they're going to look, it's the same cycle. It's been this for two or three years now. Yeah, which is, which is further proof that this is not the guy because this is not the Fenwick junior varsity team. This is not, this is not division three college football with all due respect to two programs that mean the world to me This is the Chicago bears. You are the Chicago bears head coach. You cannot make decisions like this. You cannot go back and forth on those decisions. You cannot say that the quarterback decision is a game time decision. You cannot switch offensive coordinators every three weeks. Why is this team being run like a 
freshman football team with two quarterbacks that yes. a head coach can't choose from. This is not Joe Romano and Dom Compagna. This is Justin Fields and Andy Dalton, and you are the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Act like it, dude. Like my, I, I don't even know what I'm going to say here, but or how to how to phrase it. But like, you look at the way the team came out the last couple weeks. Sure, the offense sucked against Cleveland. What you saw from that defense when they had that quarterback that they believe, and again, nothing against Andy Dalton. It's just when you know the ceiling of a quarterback. I know he's a good guy, good locker room guy, all that kind of stuff. But when you know the ceiling of your quarterback, and that defense has been the last couple of years having Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles and whoever the hell else coming out there, it's hard to get up for a game. When you see you have a guy you believe in, like Justin Fields, the guy they see in practice every damn day. They came out on fire against Cleveland. That was the best that defense had played for a long time, and eventually got worn down and let up a couple, uh, you know, a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter to let that one get out of way. But with how the offense played, the defense kept them in it for three and a half quarters. I mean, that was a two-score game midway through the fourth quarter. You saw the same thing against Detroit. The offense came out moving the ball. The defense was playing fantastic. Robert Quinn had sacked. Khalil Mack was getting back there. Eddie Jackson looked like he cared. Roquan Smith had a sack. Like. The team responds to Justin Fields. They want to play for Justin Fields. And its I don't think it's a we don't like Andy Dalton kind of thing. I think it's a here we go again, we know the ceiling, as opposed to this guy gives us a chance to beat anybody on a given day because he's that damn talented. I don't and, know how you can't see it. Coaching is all about putting your players in the best position they can to succeed. Justin Fields puts your entire team in its best position to succeed in every facet more so than Eddie Dalton and everybody who watches the game can see it. I think that you hit on something there as well with, um, you know, the team wanting to play with Justin Fields as the quarterback. I think that just goes to show you how out of touch this guy is with his 53 man. I think it just goes to show you how little confidence they have in him and how disjointed that room is. If I hear this idiot go into the locker room one more time and tell his team how hard it is to win games in the NFL, my brain might explode. Because that's that's his shtick after every win. Every time they beat the Lions. Hey, boys. Hey, boys. Wins are hard to come by in this league. I always tell you, it's hard to win in this league. What what are we doing? What are we doing? I I, I just – I'm done with Matt Nagy, and I I really hope – I've said it time and again, I'm not fire the coach in the middle of the season guy. I'm becoming fire the coach in the middle of the season guy because I I don't think I could come on on this podcast and talk about this idiot for no, it's just, ten more weeks or twelve more weeks. It's create it just it creates a toxic culture. It creates a toxic air around the team, and it seems like Bill Lazor does a nice job calling plays. Sean Desai, with the exception of whatever the first game of the year was, he's been calling a pretty good defense this year. Like the off, I I don't mind the coaching staff around Matt Nagy. I just think Matt Nagy is I, I he he's he doesn't know what he's doing. His ego's too large, and I think he's losing the locker room. I don't know yeah. how, one, the, but he can't see that, but two, I don't know how upper management can't see that. We can see it. We're not in the building. Matt, we know the Bears are going to uh, drive us crazy for the better part of the next few months, so uh, let's keep things rolling here into a little bit of NFL whip around. Beginning on Thursday night, the Jaguars and the Bengals facing oh, off boy. the Jags. The Jags looking like they uh, might have had a win on their hands here, but the Bengals come storming back. Joe Burrow looked really solid, but just because you lose doesn't mean you can't stay in Ohio and celebrate, Matt. I just, I, wow. This whole this whole scenario, it's still unfolding in front of our eyes. Uh, the, the, 
There were some closed-door meetings in Jacksonville this morning. Now Shad Khan saying Urban has to earn back his trust, and mm. I, it just seems like mm. he's got a couple weeks here, and then he's taking the USC job. Hey. So, you know, he's got he's got some. He's already got a couple national championships. Maybe that was just one for the thumb. Moving on, Washington <laughs> taking on the Falcons to lead off our Sunday slate here. The football team pulling off the win, thirty-four to thirty. Late heave down the field by uh, by Matt Ryan. Could have gotten the job done, but it was a Hail Mary unanswered. Uh, This is early, and this is early in our breakdown here, our whip around. Early leader in the clubhouse for a game I saw the least minutes of. It was on one of our it was on Mm -hmm. one of our TVs, but maybe other side of the room. Like I just didn't I didn't see a whole lot of this game at all. Uh, you know, I'm I'm happy to see Bears legend, Bear for Life, Cordero Patterson. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was playing well well for an Atlanta team that stinks. Uh, but honestly, the only play that really stuck out to me from this one was the. You see Matt Ryan kind of get like sacked without really being touched or like barely touched. I don't believe he I was like that. he was like he was like, like, like rolling out to the right and then like he kind of got hit on the <laughs> shoulder pad and then like stayed up for another second and a half and then just kind of fell. It was it was hysterical. Other than so, that, uh, Washington needed this one. So I tell you, you can have Matt Ryan or Ben Roethlisberger for the rest of this season, and he has to start be the starting quarterback of your hypothetical team. Who are you taking? Uh, Matt Ryan. Yeah, me too. That's right. it's like that's like not even close. We'll yeah. get the big Ben here He's in bad. a moment. Uh, Texans and Bills faced off forty to nothing. The Bills win in the rain. Texans looking a little bit more like the Texans team that we had come to expect. As for the Bills, yeah. uh, moving in the right direction, I think they're starting to round into form as well. They came in met with big time expectation. Uh, they lose that opener. Didn't look great in week two, and then these last two weeks, Josh Allen specifically has put together two really solid games. So um, I, I don't think it's time to to knock these Bills down a tier out of true Super Bowl contender. No, they're playing with some purpose the last couple of weeks, and it was it was almost like they took those first couple of weeks as a wake up call. Um, this is going to be their their big measuring stick weekend against in Kansas City. Or, yeah, in Kansas City on Sunday night, I believe, right? So that'll be mm-hmm. a fun one to watch. And Mitch got in the end zone. Good for Mitch. Yeah, good for Mitch nice uh, with those Mitch. with the thirty four through fortieth uh, points of the game. Yep. Thirty four through thirty ninth points of the game. That's six points. Um, Bears Lions 24-14 bear down Panthers Cowboys Cowboys win it 36-28 and uh, a bit more of a shootout than I'm sure they would have hoped but this Panthers team is better than we expected as well 14 points in the fourth quarter Sam Darnold getting two in uh, by foot looking like uh, looking like Sam Newton, if you will. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott running the ball with a purpose once again. Speaking of true title contenders, I, I, I really like how this Cowboys team looks right now. I, I really like what Trayvon Diggs is doing defensively. He's already, I think he's picked off five passes. Five four and weeks. four games, yeah. Dak could possibly win a passing title, maybe an MVP. They have all the pieces right now. It is Dallas. Things do go wrong, and when they go wrong, they go wrong quickly. So uh, I, there's a there's a wide – we talk about the range of outcomes here on the Moose and Rooms podcast. Mm-hmm. There's a wide range of outcomes that would not surprise me uh, with this Dallas Cowboys team, and I think that range is all the way to Super Bowl champion. Yeah, I mean, they, their offense looks as good as it's looked in a very long time. They absolutely shredded what was, I think, previously the best rush defense in the NFL. Grant only, was only through – three weeks, but the Panthers were not allowing anything on the ground. Zeke ran for 143 on 20 carries. The defense, though, looks like that defense is never going to be great with how many people they're paying offensively, but you now have a shutdown corner, and you have a a draft pick in Micah Parsons, who 
looks every bit of the the pass rusher you hoped he'd be. You know, he, they, they, those two guys are giving him a new element on defense. I'm glad you brought up Micah Parsons because he was a guy that I met with a question mark. He sat out last season. Uh, no, no knock on him. Mm-hmm. Had some injury problems before that. He's not your prototypical linebacker look. He's not your prototypical edge rusher look. He's sort of this um, amoeba of just like a football star and he has been a star early. Exactly. And I think that, you know, with some of the injuries they've had um, at the, on the edge rusher and him just being able to put his hand to the ground and become more of a traditional pass rush guy off the edge and not necessarily have to worry about on downs one, one and two, not necessarily have to worry about, you know, dropping into coverage. He can just play a little bit more free wielding. He's essentially getting a smaller playbook um, for your star defensive player, and it's allowed him to just kind of be free and clear and make some big plays. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Colts and Dolphins. Uh, do you have a Mike? No, McCarthy? no, I was just gonna. No, 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 I was just gonna say. What, what, you might, not sure what you think of Mike McCarthy, but those two coordinators are doing a very nice job. Dan Quinn and yeah. Kellen Moore. Uh, Colts and Dolphins playing to a 27-17 Colts victory. The Finns uh, really floundering. Um, nice. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, as they wait for Tua to come back, Jacoby Brissett just not really offering the offensive uh, production that you're looking for. Carson Wentz had one of his better games um, in recent memory here. you know, And I know it's been a start and stop career for Carson Wentz, but 24 of 32, 228, two touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor... 100 plus yards uh miami just miami seems like a team with no north star right now you know they they're they're they're, they don't know where they're headed without their quarterback and even when he comes back i'm not sure that um he directs them in the proper direction so i I don't know i think they're they're one of those teams much like the bears just uh occupying football purgatory right now yeah i thought they were going to take a little bit of a step forward this year that had to do with you know Tua also being the guy and him having to take a step forward as well i still think they're a really well coached team i just i don't think they have all the pieces yet and i'm not sure how they're going to get them um i still think in the provided deshaun watson is not in legal trouble the the option for them in the offseason has to either be go get deshaun watson or go get aaron Rodgers. yeah um i you know We'll get to it on one of those games, but I think I know where Aaron Rodgers is playing next season. Uh, We'll get to our next game here, which featured the Browns and the Vikings. Ugly game. A yuck fest. You know, we turned on, when we switched over the games to all the feeds for the 4 p.m. games, like, oh, this Browns-Vikings game is going to be a goodie. 14 to 7. 14 to 7. Kirk Cousins, again, leading the way here. Justin Jefferson looked awesome. Uh, Caught a touchdown pass. Caught another one that got called back. Same drive, so I guess you couldn't even count him for the two, even if that was the case. But um, anytime NFC North foe falls here, especially the Vikings, who, you know, coming out of last week, everybody was kind of... Uh, the, the arrow's pointing up. The stock is high. Buy-in now because it's only going to get better. Well, they're sitting at one and three. Um, and yes, they're a, a stout foe. And I could see the Bears splitting with them. I could see the Bears losing two to them. I don't know if I could see the Bears taking both off of them. But it's a Vikings team that I don't believe is as bad as the record shows right now. No, and I thought that was just the type of win that good teams find ways to win for Cleveland. They were coming off, mm-hmm. you know, a big win against the Bears and not that a big win in score and how they look, not necessarily the opponent they beat, obviously, but a nice win at home against the Bears going into kind of a potential letdown-ish spot in Minnesota. They came out a little bit flat, but they still found a way to go win a football game and they had an elite defense that backed themselves up. They went down early and then just kind of said, we're going to figure out a way to win, even though we don't have our best stuff. They went out and did it. Uh, They're really good. Giants win 27 
to 21 in overtime, led by 402 passing yards by Daniel Jones. The more I watch the kid, the more I feel like he is. Now, the Giants aren't as bad as the Jets were um, with Darnold, but I feel like he's in a bit of a Darnoldy situation. Solid defense, no real offense around him, and he's better than we're seeing. And he's starting to show how much better he is than what we've seen. And I think, you know, the offense is gelling a little bit with Saquon coming back into the fold. Saquon really had a couple big plays in that Mm -hmm. game and made a couple plays that make you think, oh, okay, he's getting sure of his Mm -hmm. body again, back to the way he was where he can make anybody miss. He could run through anybody. He might jump over you because he's confident in all of his abilities. We know he has those abilities. It's just coming back from that bad knee injury, uh, a non-contact that that or an an awkward contact that that against the Bears last year. It's looking like Saquon might be that piece next to Daniel Jones that takes Daniel Jones to that next level or at least unlocks something that we're not able to see because he just doesn't have a whole lot of help around him. Yeah, Saquon being healthy and all there unlocks the entire offense because it's going to, you know, it's going to free up Kenny Galladay to to not be kind of keyed in on those receivers to be keyed in on. So him being back and being healthy is so incredibly important for that offense. And it's probably too late for them to challenge for a playoff spot, but they have a good defense. They have some pieces when they're all healthy. It's just they didn't have Saquon. On the other side of the ball, I just – I don't know what to make of the New Orleans Saints. I just mm-hmm. I can't figure it out. They're winning thirty eight to three, then they're losing twenty six to seven, then they're then they're winning twenty six to seven. I just I don't get it. They're they're gonna be a wild team to watch all year, but I guess I mean, that's Jameis. If, if Jameis is gonna go throw for two hundred yards a game or a buck fifty, like two twenty six is high on his year on mm-hmm. his average for the year. They're only attempting twenty three passes. He only attempted twenty three passes a game, which is low in today's NFL. I understand you're trying to keep him out of the interception category, um, and he didn't have one again here. I don't know that he has one on the year. He might have one interception on the season, but like you have to at a certain point, he's got two interceptions in the season. At a certain point, you have to say, Jameis, you got to go win us the game, or Jameis, mm-hmm. let's get, let's you know, let's open it up a little bit here. Let's let's get to the air. You got to let Jameis be Jameis at some point. Yeah, and like. This approach works with the lead. This approach works when your defense is turning the ball over and maybe even scoring points in the third phase. But when it's all off, when it's all on your offense mm-hmm. to score all the points in the game, like you, you gotta, you gotta open it up a little bit. And yeah. I think Sean Payton seeing that, and I, I trust that Sean Payton will adjust here. I'm not writing the Saints off just yet. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're trusting that a coach will see some yeah, things that are no, going wrong crazy. and then, then adjust his game plan? Crazy to that, think that, Matt. That cannot be legal. I don't, I, I don't believe I, you. I, I didn't know that that was allowed at this level of football, That's actually but, a 15-yard um, personal foul at the start of the game. It's taunting. It's, yeah. a, coach can now, a coach can now be a called coach taunting. taunting. Changing your game yes. plan. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, I'm having a little trouble with my browser. Here. There we go. Titans Jets. Uh, that was not my next game. Was that my next game? Titans no, Jets. Yes, mine. it was. Uh, Jets 27, Titans 24. My Super Bowl pick not looking great here to represent the AFC uh, in the Tennessee Titans. They've just come out and been that disappointing team who, yeah, they were without their two big wide receivers, but you got to make something happen against the Jets. I mean, you can't you can't give Zach Wilson his first career win. You, you just it's not it's not. You have Derrick Henry. Turn the ball. Turn turn around. Hand the ball off. I mean, he had thirty. That's the thing carries. they kind of did, though. Like, I he don't thirty three carries. He needed fifty, apparently. Say. I don't know. Uh, weird, weird, weird team. The Titans. I'm not really sure what to make of them. They kind of remind me of the the Saints, who we just talked about. You think I think they're capable of beating anybody, but also capable of losing to anybody. And we kind of saw. I know Seattle's not great this year, but that was a 
a tough win that they went and came from behind on the road, scored a bunch of points, and then you're going and losing to the Jets. There were some throws in that game, though, and I know you said you have Jets fans in the newsroom that, that Zach Wilson probably got yeah, them up out of their seats. So that, sure. that, I think there was one to Keelan Cole and one to Corey Davis, I want to say, that down the sideline on the run, perfect strike over two defenders, like let them in stride. Oh, like, you finally started to see some of the flashes of, of the Zach Wilson that you know we saw at BYU that got drafted. He looked really good. Yeah, um, I, I still have my reservations, but uh, yeah, for sure. But he he does have uh, you he look, does you, have a knack for making the the, the, the flashy play. Early on, you look for the flashes, and then eventually, you obviously yeah. need the growth uh, in terms of reading defenses, all that. But you you started to see the flashes yesterday, so I guess that's that's a good first step with it, with his with his. Speaking of flashy play, the Chiefs win forty-two to thirty over the Eagles, um, an Eagles offense that I would not um, deem as high-powered. Chiefs defense has some problems. They yeah. can't rush the passer. They're not very stout in the back end outside of Honey Badger. There's a lot of holes in that defense, and teams are exploiting them. That defense, if they continue to play their way the way they're playing, they're not winning the division let alone the Super Bowl. Um, you got a really tough Chargers team in that division. You got a really tough uh, Raiders team in that division. This is not the layup for the Chiefs to just come out divisional champs and like no. copy and paste. We'll see in the divisional round type team. Um, they got some work to do. And I think that the offense is going to look awesome. It's going to be interesting to see what Josh Gordon looks like. Might even be active in the week to come. Um I just don't know that you can win with the defense that they have right now. No, it, it didn't look good. And you look at the, the box score in that game, too. The Eagles kicked three field goals. Jake Elliott was three for three with the short, with the longest of which being 31, 31 yards. Mm-hmm. So for some reason, the Eagles were not trying to score touchdowns against the Chiefs. They, they, they opted for field goals. Had they tried to score or convert convert six instead of three a couple of those times, it's is a completely different ball game too. So that defense has some issues. Jalen Hurts is not great. That offense is not great. They mm-hmm. they have some problems to figure out. The offense for Kansas City though looked like they got a little bit of their mojo back. Tyreek Hill finally got unlocked. They figured out a way to get him going. Granted, against a pretty bad secondary, but yeah, this is not the the cakewalk for the Chiefs that people expected. No, uh, Cardinals and the Rams. Cardinals moved to four and zero on the season, thirty seven to twenty. Man. Um, that's a good Rams team that kind of came out flat, but you got to credit the Cardinals yeah. for getting a big win, big win in the division. Talking about divisions that are going to be closely contested between the Cardinals, the Rams, the Niners, the Seahawks. There's no off weeks no. in the NFC West. It's, it is far and beyond, for my money, the toughest division in football. I would put the AFC West behind, right behind them mm-hmm. through four weeks here, but um, Kyler looked good. Uh, Chase Edmonds looked solid back there. They slowed down Matthew Stafford in that offense defensively. The Cardinals appear to be the complete package. I don't want to overreact, and I want to see how Kyler's body holds up over 17 weeks. Um, but, man, 37 points against a Rams defense, there's, there's really no discrediting that. No, Kyler Murray is the prototypical example of when you have a really talented guy that's ready for the NFL, just mm-hmm. let him play, let him figure it out on the fly. There were times in, in year one that you're like, Man, there's some flashes, but he's still got some growth. Is he going to be any good? Year two, again, he got you, you saw more of those flashes, but still, how good is he? And now, I mean, he's he's grown, learned. He's now an MVP candidate. He is the MVP candidate right now. Granted, it's like four weeks into the year. He's really darn good. That division is fantastic. I mean, you said talking about how deep it is. You, you showed me those two games at the beginning of last week. I would have thought the Rams were going to win 
you know, by 10 or so points and the Niners were going to control the Seahawks at home, complete opposite. So anything can happen on a week-to-week basis in that division. I cannot wait to see how that one unfolds. Yeah, uh, going to be a lot of fun. And you know me, I've, I've been in Kyler's corner the whole time. Yep. we got to get to our next game. Seahawks and 49ers. Seahawks win it 28-21 with a fourth quarter touchdown. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo goes down with a cap issue. So we get the biggest sample size of Trey, uh, excuse me, of uh, Trey Lance that we've mm-hmm. seen. I was going to say Trey Sermon, but we did yes. get a <laughs> biggest sample size of Trey Sermon we saw as well in that game. Debo Samuel emerging as... A one, a bona fide one, eight more receptions, buck 56, two touchdowns. He's really been uh, their offense, but was not enough to take down the Seahawks at home. Russ, I mean, like we said, no easy outs in that division. Include Like, we, we had this conversation, so I'll pose it to you this way, Matt. If I gave you the opportunity to win a million dollars, and you uh-huh. can tell me this team is going to finish first or this team is going to finish last, what team are you choosing and in which position? Like, who are you most sure of what they are in the NFC West and where they're going to finish? I have to pick a winner or a loser. I, I think I'd pick the Rams as the winner. That's, that's, but that's like, been that's, the resounding answer. That is, yeah. like, that's, a, like a, that, that's like a 30% sure thing. Like, like that's uh-huh. the highest certainty I have. Is like, who would you say the loser? 49ers? Uh, Seahawks? I would go right now. I know how high I was with them to start the year. I would go with San Francisco to be to be the bottom one because they just lost the home game to Seattle. So you you're, true. You dropped one. You dropped the home one in the division to a team that some might have seen as the worst or at least struggling. But would it game. surprise you if they rally and win the division? Nope, wouldn't at all. <laughs> and like they, I think they're just they're probably going to have a couple of yeah. games the next couple of weeks with Trey Lance because he showed some flashes. But again, he's played. He's started one football game at FCS level in the last, what is it, three years. But anything can happen in that division, and I'm so excited to watch it unfold. Ravens take down the Broncos, offering the Broncos their first loss of the season, 23-7. to uh, The real game didn't start until after the final whistle. Ball oh. game's over. You're up 23-7. to uh, The Ravens had a record-tying opportunity, I believe, 43, 42 consecutive games with a 100-yard rusher. They needed one more to tie the record. They needed three yards. The situation was done. They had the ball, no timeouts, just kneel on it. They run power off the left side with Lamar to get the record. Big Fangio, Uh none too happy after the game. Lobs a couple uh, insults at Harbaugh about that's what we expect from a team. Classless, they're not worried about player safety, this and that. And Harbaugh's like, I don't think of you at all. A lot of drama there between the Ravens and the Broncos head coaches, but the Ravens do come away with the win. Yeah, I got. I, this is actually probably one of the games I watched the uh, or saw the least of because there just wasn't a whole lot of it going on uh, on red zone towards the end of the towards the, mm-hmm. the end of that slate. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with, with Harbaugh doing what he did, especially with Vic Fangio kind of thrown to the end zone in, in the last seconds down big. So it, it is what it is. Vic Fangio was just pissed off that he lost. And I love Vic Fangio. He called a great defense here. I always like him, but he was always a little bit of a... a Grump, want to call it that to be nice? A little, yeah. a little grumpy, a little grumpy. Yeah, little but I like a grumpy DC. So I, don't do I. I don't know about a head coach. I don't know about a head coach. Bring him back. Grumpy bring DC. Him back. Yeah, um, I'd take him as a head coach right now, too. Seriously. Uh, we also have to get to our last couple games here. Steelers and Packers. Packers win 27-17. You know, the Steelers haven't been blown out yet. They are 1-3. They haven't really been run off the field Um if my yeah no they're just like losing games 20 something to 10 20 something to 17 23 16 26 17 24 10 27 17 that's just what it's been every week mm-hmm. the score doesn't look 
terrible. The team looks awful. Big Ben, you can't win with Big Ben. I, I really think we see Big Ben get sat at some point this season just to like spare him from the embarrassment. He just can't do it anymore. Yeah, I just, I think you have to turn the keys over to Dwayne Haskins at some point here. I, I, Dwayne Haskins or Mason. Which is a crazy thing to say. No, but I think like Dwayne Haskins in a very professional buttoned up, you know, organization like the Steelers with a guy like Mike Tomlin as a head coach, like his, his issues were maturity issues. The talent was there. So maybe that's an organization that can unlock his potential, but you're never going to know until you find out. So at this point, I know you don't want to embarrass Ben and they probably said like, Hey, okay, we'll give you one more chance. Cause you've earned that one more chance. But like you had it, it's gone. You, you don't have it anymore. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, either it's a very much, uh, you either die a hero or live to see yourself become the villain situation right now in Pittsburgh. That, that and, team uh, also I, has, I think, go ahead. I think the team's turning. I was just, I just think the team's, I think the fan base is turning on them a little bit. They know it's time to. Yeah, that team has good enough defense where if you can get some solid quarterback play, like you said, they look terrible in these games. The scores aren't that bad because the defense is so good in keeping them in it. Like you Mm -hmm. have a good enough defense that if you play fine on offense, you can be in just about every game. But Ben and that offense just, and granted a pretty bad offensive line right now, just not doing it. Yeah, not getting the job done in the Steel City. We also have the Sunday night matchup, which was just a tear-filled 1917. Um, people, people thought it wasn't, you know, the most fun the Buccaneers Patriots matchup, or I don't know what they were expecting in terms of points in the rain, but um, it had everything that I wanted in that game. Uh, it had the cold hug between Brady and Belichick after the game. It had the closed-door meeting between the two even after that. It had the doinked upright uh, to, to lose the game there for the Pats. I thought it had it all. And I think, like, just swept under the rug in all of the storylines was how impressive Mac Jones was in that moment. In the rain, uh-huh. against the greatest of all time, playing on his field in front of his fans. You go 31 of 40 for 275, two touchdowns. You keep your team in the game for four quarters. Really, really impressive stuff uh, out of Mac Jones in that moment. But, you know, this one's all about Tom. It's all about Belichick. Uh, and, and Tom gets his win against his 32nd team. So he's now beating everybody. So uh, just a just a lot of fun and a perfect way to cap off Sunday. I, well, I really enjoyed that game. Would have been a perfect way to cap off Sunday if Antonio Brown holds on to that football. Uh, yeah, we needed that. No, we no, Mac, that. Mac Jones looked fantastic. Uh, I would, that was a... In the rain, uh, you're not going to – in the rain with a young quarterback in a spot like that, I don't think you're going to push the ball downfield very much. And he, they didn't ask him to. They asked him to do what Brady did for the yeah. majority of his career was hit guys you know, in, in these mid-range kind of routes and pick up yards and just move the ball, chunk the ball down the field. And we're going to, you know, a thousand cut, you know, thousand paper cuts to death kind of kill you type of way. My question to you is – do you trot out Nick Folk for the for the fifty six yarder, or when you yes, have a guy one hundred percent? If I know my guy, and I know that was the conversation. If I know my guy has that in his leg, I don't care if it's raining or not. If it's not into a twenty mile an hour headwind, we have a chance to win the game. Kick it, it like like if it's if it's fourth and one, okay. If it's fourth and two, okay. It was I believe fourth and six, fourth and five, fourth and six. I, you, you're going to be, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you yeah. don't. You're going to be questioned as a head coach. Why not give your guy the shot? And if he, if you go out there and you put him out there and he misses, why'd you give the guy the shot? So I, I just, 
I just think that I'm not one to sit here and question Bill Belichick. Um, so I, I really trust in that decision. The guy obviously had the distance um, by about a yard and a half, but he was a little bit left of it. I have no problem with the decision to kick there. Yeah, it's a, like you said, kind of depends on your kicker. Nick Folk, and now you could say what you want about his accuracy as a kicker, but he's never been a guy that's had, had a, a weak leg. He's always been able to, to get kicks from you know the high 50s. It's there's no right answer or wrong answer there. If he if Bill would have trotted out Mac Jones because he you know been throwing so well in the short intermediate passing game and wanted to go for it, I'd say fine. That's the right decision. If he trots out Nick Folk thinking he's got the field goal, fine with that one too. There wasn't really a wrong decision. I don't know why that was such a. It seemed to be like a consensus take yesterday that why didn't why didn't he go for it? You have to go for it. You can't give top nut just you wanted to get the points and, and put your team in a spot that they had a lead with under a minute left to play. I get it. And it was a foot away from being good. I mean, he, yeah. he drilled it. He just, it had a little bit too much tail on it. Uh, and shout out to the audio tech who had that upright mic'd up because man, that one, that was resonated in your soul there. The way that long <laughs> every, up. every time I hear one of those Joe, it resonates uh, get over it. I get can't. over it. You know, get I'll, get over over, it. I'll get over it when they get over it, get over it. Raiders and Chargers on Monday night. We talked about this one a little bit already. Um, just, I mean, Justin Herbert is that dude. Uh, 28-14, so they come away with the win. Offense looked great. Raiders looked like the team they looked like through weeks one through three in the second half. But mm-hmm. they come out of the locker room, and now, mind you, a 40-minute delay because we had a weather delay in a dome. I don't uh, understand. That. Is there what? any, like, what? So it, it's an open-air concept stadium. It is a dome, but it is not a enclosed structure there, there are parts at each yeah, end of the field like, that are open to the elements i, I know I, i'm just i'm just giving gotcha. you the answer okay. why i'm not saying i support it that is why the game was delayed so it could be i mean not the last time we see this happen in la but i, I don't know it was it was weird the the raiders in turn can't use that as an excuse because both teams had to deal with the delay but the raiders come out flat at 51 total yards in the first half and one first down um they just dug themselves a hole too deep and even trying to come back with those two touchdowns in the third quarter. I'm not writing them off. No. I mean, three and one, they're great. They're going to be probably, they're probably favorited by what a touchdown here against the bears this week. Last I saw was five, six and, and a half, five and a half, six and a half. Somewhere and I think in there. six and a half was yeah. their opening line. I think it probably got bought down. I think it probably ends they're up in the top six. third of the NFL. Yes. Um, the Chargers are up there too. It was a closely contested game between two really good teams. Austin Eckler looked more like uh, between the tackles back yesterday than like the receiving back that he's been. So yeah, you don't I think, see the, Char- very I think the Chargers, I think the Chargers can throw a whole lot at you. Um, they're a scary team as well. They're a very good, scary, well-coached football team. And I am having a Staley guy now. Uh, it's, it's hard not to be. He's just such yeah. a likable guy. He, it, he coaches that team very well. I, I love their game plans. And plus Justin Herbert's just, he's so good. I love watching that guy play. Yeah. Um, that is your week four NFL whip around. Um, Matt, we are on to week five. We are on to Las Vegas. We do catch Vegas on a, on a short week. We got, we got a day on him. You got to figure that in, you know. I, you know, I'd, I'd almost rather the Bears coaching staff have less time to prepare. I, I, I don't want <laughs> just Nagy to have that much think, time. To think. Just don't think as much. Don't think. Oh, just God. go. Just play. Yeah. Just run it. the same don't, exact game plan. You're just don't even print new sheets. Don't do anything. Just hand them the same game plan you saw last week against the Lions. But hey, guys, this is the Raiders. We're gonna run. We're gonna run. We're gonna run the same thing. Uh, speaking it. of don't don't think just shoot. Let's get to some locks of the week because the kid is four and one. Matt Rooney, stay hot, fella. Uh, I dropped a two and three with a losing pick. I was on the squarest pick in the history of NFL football. Um, 
if it makes uh, you feel the, better, I thought you were right. on the, I thought that was, an was on the Buccaneers covering yeah. the six and a half. If AB catches the touchdown, it's a different situation. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, let's get to our picks this week. Matt, lead us off. I am uh, going back to the college ranks here. Um, I'm going to go with Iowa laying two and a half at home against Penn State. I forgot that this game was at Iowa. Originally thought it was in Happy Valley. Didn't realize why I was getting the points. I see they're at home. That's a really tough place to play. I don't trust Penn State yet. Their best win so far is against is at Wisconsin, who we just saw the last few weeks is not very good. And then yep. we saw them beat Auburn at home, but they kind of let Bo Nix in a hostile environment hang around, which is not impressive with me at all. I don't, I don't think Iowa's going to score a ton of points, but their defense is really, really good, and I don't trust Sean Clifford under center for Penn State. Give me Iowa basically just to win the game there at home lane, the two and a half. Uh, I am going to the NFL. I am offering up Rams laying a short one at the Seahawks. Could see this as a pick em by kick. Um, but the Rams, we know they're a good team. The Seahawks, we know they're a good team. Rams coming off a loss. Seahawks coming off the win. Maybe Rams coming to this one a little bit more hungry, a little bit mm-hmm. more aware of the moment. And I do think in that conversation that we just had, who do you think's first? Who do you think's last? I, I just think that the Rams... I think that the Rams understand what's on the line. They understand the moment, and they are a good enough football team to act upon that understanding. Not to say the Seahawks aren't, but the Seahawks are not what they once were. They kind of got handed one in a couple ways there by the 49ers, some mistakes uh-huh. by the Niners. So I just like the Rams coming out in a bounce-back spot, laying just one. Yes, it is on the road. Yes, it is in Seattle, a tough place to play, but this is a big spot for that offense, that defense as well. But for Matt Stafford to come out and say, hey, this is our division that comes through us. I like the Rams laying the one. I, I like that pick a lot. I thought that was a little bit of an overcorrection to the loss for the, the Rams, but also the win for the Seahawks. I, I think this is a nice bounce back spot for the Rams. Just the the only concern, I, I told you before the pod, that was the other game I had on my uh, in my eye. I thought Thursday nights, I just weird stuff. And that's what ultimately was the tiebreaker for me. But I really like the Rams in that spot too. Uh, we got to talk a little bit of playoff baseball, Matt. The White Sox begin their quest for Can't the uh, for the World Series. It, that sounds a little deadpan, you know. Things have been a little. Uh, no, I, I actually have, can't wait. I know, and things just have been like a little bit. All right, let's wait till we're there. Let's wait till we're there. Let's wait. Till we're there now, okay? It's the mm-hmm. Houston Astros. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But it all starts here on Tuesday night with arguably the best rivalry in sports, the Red Sox and the Yankees facing off one game. Garrett Cole, Nate Avaldi going head-to-head for the right to get swept by the Rays, but let's just stay in the moment here. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun between those two, as it always is. And, you know, being out here on the East Coast, you feel the tension. You you felt it since since it was set on Sunday. Um, It's going to be a whole lot of fun tonight. Then we get 196 combined wins on Wednesday between the Cardinals and the Dodgers uh, with Cowboy Joe West behind the plate, umping his last game. What could go wrong there, right? He, no, no chance he makes it about him no, he would uh, never. in a one-game playoff, but uh, that is for the right to play the best record of baseball in the Giants, and then on the other side uh, is the Brewers and the... Help me. Brewers are playing the... Uh, Giants? No. No, no, no. Gi- Giants get the wild card. Uh, Brewers are playing the a, uh, excuse me, the Braves, the Braves, Braves. right? That'll be yeah, a fun. Brewers series. are playing the Braves. That, that'll, that'll be a fun, fun series. So we got some really fun opening round series here. Uh, the, the Sox do get shafted and have to play a couple day games to to start things off, but mm-hmm. uh, should be a fun weekend in the city once things move back to Chicago. I believe on Saturday, so, Sunday night, 
Sunday the Sunday 10th. night. Thank yep. you. That's Thank the, you. that's actually their night game, and that's going to be a, a blackout, which is going to be I will, I will be in attendance. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. Looking forward to that one. Uh, wild card games are always I, they're I don't care who's playing in, in them. The, the drama of the one game playoff is unmatched, and that's why I was hoping that game one uh, day one sixty two on Sunday the, you had the chaos scenario where four teams would have been playing for those AL wildcard slots. And I was really hoping that was going to happen. It almost did ended up not, but I, the last couple of days, I know we've been kind of not on the white side or talking about the white Sox a ton just because it's been locked up for so long, but last couple of days been starting to feel a little, feel a little bit again, the last couple of weeks for the Sox too. You can kind of tell that team has flipped a switch a little bit. Uh, I, I'm ready. Very, very ready to get to whatever it is, October 7th and then get the series started. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. We will be offering up uh, week by week your playoff roundups here I was, on the Moose and Roots podcast. Speaking of uh, white, one, one White Sox note here, I was when we were talking about the playoffs coming up, I, I had a thought pop into my head because I saw Luis uh-huh. Robert Homer on, on Sunday on, on Game 162. You want to take a guess at what he's doing over his last 43 games, which is what he came when he came back from the IL from that hip injury? He's hitting over his last 43 games, he's hitting – 363 with 16 home runs and 31 RBI. You win a little bit ambitious. He's hitting 350, 12 okay. homers, 35 RBI, OPSing at I'm one, good at that one game, though. <laughs> you you want to guess what those per one, the one – I'm not going to have you do that, math. Per 162. Over 162. Over yeah, 162. And now, again, it's, it's, it's a month and a half, uh, two-month sample size here. So it's not the whole season. But over basically the last two months, he's on pace for a 45 and 132 regular season over 162. He is, I, mean, I don't know what happened to him with that hip injury, but he's come back and he's looked like yeah. the absolute star they've hoped. Yohan Moncada's gotten better at the plate. Tim Anderson's doing what he's doing. He's gotten his average up over 300 again. I'm very excited with where the Sox lineup is at heading into October. Yeah, it's, it's, we'll no time pitching, to, but, it's no time to slump now. Um, we need that offense to bring it. We need the arms to step up. Um, As Hawk know, would and, say, and, don't and, stop now, boys. Don't stop now, boys. Got to pitch their potential here. And uh, I guess one parting question here for you, Matt. We boat race. We boat race Houston. You know, all of baseball wants to see it. Everybody's down. Everybody wants Houston to be bludgeoned here by the White Sox. Say so we get past Houston. Of those three teams right now, between the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Rays, who would you rather see in the ALCS? Uh, Boston, I think. Um, I, think I, so too. I the Yankees bats. I just. There's a lot there, and I, I know the pitching isn't much after Garrett Cole, but they've kind of had our number this year, and just yeah. those bats in a series where both fields have the short, Rays, and then short the Rays are, porches, and Rays the Rays are inexplicably good. Yeah, they just I don't win know how they're. Games. I don't know how they're good. Uh, it, situational hitting. It's all they don't have a guy on their team hitting north of 280. I don't believe it's all situational hitting. They, yeah, but um, like you look at the rotation, it's ERAs and like the fours and fives. It's just yeah, they lost their ace. That should be it. Yeah, that should be it. They lost their ace from last year, and then their ace this year. Maybe, maybe then it the thinking matter. is you want the Rays because eventually talent probably no, wins or loses out. Me. But again, I they want only Boston. Lost, the only reason they lost last year is because they played the Dodgers, and they still took the Dodgers to six games last year, which is one of the best teams we've ever seen play baseball. Boston's so got I, a solid. Boston's got a solid lineup, solid rotation. Their bullpen is non-existent. Give yeah. me Boston. You get into that pen, you win the game in the sixth, seventh, and eighth inning. Um, like you said, New York scares me. Uh, I don't want to see them unless we play it in Iowa. If we can get it scheduled in Iowa, yeah. then uh, feel then the, the feel the dream series. I'm in. Wow, who who says no? Other I, than I Major would. League Baseball. 
Probably Major League Baseball. Probably the Sox uh, and the Yankees giving up playoff gates, but that's neither here nor there. Matt, we got anything in the mailbag? We got any uh, any viewer questions, any listener questions, anything before we say goodbye here? Uh, I think we're good this week. I want to want a special thank you to Phil Goff for hopping in in a pinch last week, filling in with a with a nice Notre Dame preview. I know that that didn't work out his way with the with the tough loss, but that was uh, yep, yep, yep. nice Way of to him to fill in uh, fill in in a pinch. Get it? Now, did we did we spot. divulge? Did we divulge what happened there? I, yeah, I broke. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I broke it. To know. I I broke it down. Uh, we, okay. I, I, did all I could to get back a lost file, and it, uh, it, it. I literally spent an hour and a half in my apartment trying to figure that out. Didn't happen. It was a good episode. Yes. That's the true super, lost episode. Super, super producer Matt Rooney um, does not miss often. He does. I was going to say 224 in. I think I've we've had to re-record this episode one time. This show one yep. time. And, and uh, I think that's an okay record. And this past week, I think that now, now if you were if you thought I was fed up here this week coming off a win last week was a whole level of anger that it was that i don't want to go back I, to. I, I think um, i said it on the beginning of the pod joe it was like i'm mad that that one got lost not only because like, yeah. i'm annoyed that the podcast got lost but that was a great episode yeah that was a great was. episode it was that the was. true lost episode we it was have more it was that, more more for me and you, you i know? do actually think that i found the uh the other lost episode in my process of looking for this one though Okay, if you can if you can send that wherever you sent this last one to, uh, and we can call that a day. Yeah, we're, we're gonna keep that one. We're gonna keep that one on file for a little bit. We longer. can call that a day. Uh, nothing. What happens in Palm Springs stays in Palm Springs. I believe is I believe is the thing, right? Is episode of two two twenty four of the Moose. That's how we say goodbye. Episode two twenty four of the Moose and Moose podcast, alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. Thank you as always for tuning in. Send us some uh, stuff on Twitter. Send us some questions. Send us your questions, comments, and concerns. Uh, let us know what you think of the pod. Let us know what you want to hear. Football season can get a little monotonous. It can become a little bit bear stink, whip around blocks. Hey, it's it's but fall golf season. Get us some fall golf. Uh, it is also fall, fall golf, golf season. We questions. are a golf pod. People forget uh, that. Send us, those, send us those golf questions because we want you to in, enjoy enjoy the tail end of the season, you know? There's, if, there's, if uh, there's only guys, so many days left on the calendar. If any of you guys have a solution for finding balls in the rough that get, you know, trapped underneath those leaves and oh, you can't man. see them, let me know. I, I'm, I'm looking. I'm in the market. I don't... You know, I'm the solution is solution is play at a club where they blow the play. No, the solution is play at a club where they blow the leaves every five hours. <laughs> I was gonna say Tuesday, Tuesdays at five o'clock after work. I don't think is prime. Uh, let's clean up or, the fairways time. You take you take my you take my approach here, Matt, and stay with me. You go to Arizona and play for a week, like I'm about to in two weeks. So um, you, you just you just go somewhere where there aren't leaves. Is that's, that, uh, that's the other approach. Is that that email invite coming or a little bachelor? I, I little bachelor party didn't have didn't have didn't have any say on the uh, on the guest list. So. Okay, I might just show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, like, well, hey guys, you know where you know where to be. <laughs> you know where to be. Uh, second to last week in October, in Scottsdale. It's a dry heat. It's a dry heat. It's a dry heat. It's a dry heat always here on the movie. We're a dry podcast. heat podcast. That's it. We're always got it. Got to be a dry heat podcast. Uh, I think we've gone uh, just about as off the rails as we can get. So with that. For Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musa. We will talk to you guys next week. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal. <laughs>